0: So, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming this evening. Uh, My name is Anne Rebgetts and I'm the principal of St James College. I must add, though, I've only been the principal since the beginning of January. So, um, I'm new to the college as well. So, I will be relying on my colleagues to uh, give you all the in depth information because I'm still learning as well. However, In terms of myself, I was 10 years principal at St. Clumman's College at Caboolture and prior to that three years principal in the Northern Territory. Uh, So this is my 14th year of principalship. Obviously I enjoy it and um, very much was very excited and privileged to be able to come to St James. St James um, is a school in Edmund Rice Education Australia. So it's in the chain of schools like Gregory Terrace, Nudgee College, St Pat's at Seancliffe, St Edmund's in Ipswich, St Lawrence's, um, in that chain of schools that were set up by the Christian Brothers and when the Christian Brothers then set up a, a separate entity called Edmund Rice Education Australia... And Edmund Rice is the person who founded the Christian Brothers in Ireland. And so that's how it started. And he set up a group of brothers in Ireland. And then they decided to come to Australia. That's very significant for St James because we're the oldest Catholic school in Queensland, Secondary College, 151 years old this year. So it's a school of great tradition. And I know coming in this evening... There's some um, past students here at, from the college, and uh, it has a very proud tradition. So tonight, we're welcoming you. The the agenda for tonight is that I'll have a, a presentation, um, and then we're going to take you on tour. If you haven't seen the facilities of the college, so that you can have a good look at the facilities. Um, so, and it may be that some of you are interested in a position at the college now and if you are, that's good and um, we'll ask, talk to you afterwards about that and would be keen to follow that up with you. Just on this slide, we talk about a promise of a liberating education. Um, we have four touchstones in the college And in terms of those touchstones, they are the touchstones of Edmund Rice Education Australia. And each of the touchstones um, is reflecting, I guess, the 10 A's of the Catholic faith in terms of the gospel gospel values, inclusivity, liberating education and justice and solidarity. Liberating education, it's about saying education does liberate people. ...and provides them with the freedom of choice that they wouldn't have otherwise. So to start off with, we want to acknowledge our traditional owners of the land on which we stand... ...the Terrible and Jagger people. And what's really special, that not many schools I know... ...we actually have our own Indigenous dance troupe. And all of the people in the dance troupe are our students... And with our students, we have Auntie Teresa, who is a traditional landowner, who is our Indigenous liaison officer. So we're very proud of, of having the dance troupe and having such, such a strong connection with culture. On Friday, we celebrated International Women's Day. And we did that with a, a lunch and what was wonderful about that is one of the speakers was Yvonne O'Neill who was the in the first national rugby league team for women and she's an Aboriginal woman from New South Wales who um, is the engagement officer for University of so- um, Southern Queensland but she also is an incredible artist so that her artwork is actually hanging in the Vatican. So... It's wonderful to have such connections. So we might start with a little blessing. Oh God, we thank you for the life of Blessed Edmund Rice, our founder. Moved by your spirit, he opened his heart to Christ present in the poor. Inspired by his faith and generosity, may we follow his example in our lives. We pray that we too would hear the call of the poor and respond in love and service. Renew in us his spirit and vision. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And as a college, we really celebrate the fact that we're very interfaith, that we have a lot of people here from different faith traditions. Um, but I guess after all, there's probably just one God, the God that loves us all. And that's what we work on. And, and that's actually very positive because people uh, develop an understanding, a real life understanding of. ..of other people's beliefs. And it is probably the number one problem in the world. I had a parent ring me one day saying, you know, my son's in year 11. He doesn't want to do religious studies or religious education in a Catholic school. And I said, well, I can understand that you mightn't want to study religion. But I said, what does your son want to do? And he said... My son wants to join the army. And I said, what do you think is the biggest problem in our world and where people are fighting in countries at the moment? And the biggest problem is where people have differences in, in their views of religion and what should happen in terms of taking that religion and various perspectives of it and, and trying to be dominant with others. So... When I explained that, I said, you know, getting into the army, if you do comparative studies in religion, that's probably going to prepare you better than anything else because people in the army are looking for informed young people. And he said, yeah, that's actually right. Yes, he's going to study in religion now. It'll be fine. So um, he did and he stayed on at school and and, uh, is completing year 12 this year. So, our student ambassadors. So, I'm going to ask our students to come forward, please. Because all of you are trying to decide what's the best pathway for my son and daughter in their education. And I think to start off with, the best people we can talk to is to hear the stories of some of our students. So, we're going to just line them up in a line... I think, Paul, you can come to the end. I'll make you go last. Yes. And uh, the students um, are going to say who they are, where, which school, they, primary school they went to, maybe which country they come from, how many languages they speak, what their career interests are. This is a test, isn't it? Um, what their career interests are and... Um, what they love about St James and what they would recommend to you, and then at the end of our little talk, you can. Um, when we finish doing the presentation, we'll let you ask some questions. They may even have more questions then. So I'm just going to hand the microphone over. And
1: over to
2: you. Emma. My name's Afon. I'm in Year 12, Mary Rice Captain. I was born in Egypt but have been living in Australia for 17 years of my life, so I came before I was one. My parents are from South Sudondo. I only moved to St. James last year from our college, and I went to primary school at St. Mark's in Inala. I want to be a midwife or do nursing when I finish school and one thing I love about St. James is it's a family. We're different to other schools, whether it's through our basketball program or through the different cultures we have in the school. We're very different, and we embrace that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Yaget Kalunga. I'm from, um, I'm from Congo, and I've been here in Australia just for uh, about about three years now. My first school was um, Villarod, which is in Uganda, just back in, um, in Africa as well. Um, the thing I love about St. St. James is, um, it have got everything that every student would love to, um, to have, and every student would love to be here. For example, like, we've got all the, um, as Yvonne said before, we've got all the, uh, sport programming, every, like, everyone would love to be, and, um, the thing is, um, what I want to be once I finish year 12 I want to study nursing so I can help people because there are like some some things that I've seen in life that um other people haven't experienced and that's the reason why I want to study nursing and the other thing about like what I would love if you bring your child here at St. James your child will be this the best school that to put your child into and um, we've got every, like they've got every opportunities that every child would love to to have. And um, here at St James, we don't have students who bully each other; we are so treated equally. And um, that's it. Thank you.
3: Hey, hi everyone. I'm Prashan. I'm from Sri Lanka. Uh, I'm a asylum seeker. I came here six years ago, and I started St James in grade eight. Now it's been five years, and and St James is really um has a major role in my life. They offered me um, free school and uh, they offered me, like, all the clothes and education. And all the teachers are really nice. They helped me really... They supported me and my sisters. And my sisters got a scholarship for medicine. and It's pretty amazing. And I'm trying to get a scholarship for international business as well. And I think I can really get that. And school... St. James is, like, a... It's really easy for, like, ESO people, like, to get in and, like, achieve their dreams because all the teachers are really supportive... And, yeah, that's it. Thank you.
4: Um, hello, my name is Mary Majang. I'm the college captain here. I've been here at St. James since grade eight, so this is my first high school and my last. <laughs> um, before St. James, I went to a school in Marsden called Borough State School. If you guys know with Marsden is, it's in Logan. A main thing that I, I like the most about the school is the fact that, we don't, that no student is different here. Um, there's things that I don't like and there's things that I obviously like but the school doesn't force me into doing stuff that I don't like or they're not like, oh, you you can't do this because you're this Like, I'm African but I still be hanging out with the PI kids and do their program or I play basketball I'm basically involved in everything that you can think of because I really like this school Um, I'm from South Sudan my family came here in 2003 I was two years of age, I was two years old and yeah, that's me.
5: <laughs> hey guys, I've had an um, opportunity to have a chat to a few of you. but for those that don't know me, my name's Gabe, um, I sadly only speak one language but whilst that I say that I do hope that I'd be able to say that I know a fair bit about lots of other cultures and that is such a big thing that I'm able to say moving forward. It's a big thing that I can put in front of many other things on a resume that, may not partic- that you may not particularly be able to write down. And that's just through St. James. Um, my friends group is so diverse. I've got friends from India and all of these other nations just off the top of my head in my close friends group. When you come to St. James, you don't just sign up for an education. You sign up for much more than that. You sign up to be able to know more about different cultures, to be able to experience different cultures, not only through the way that St. James does it, but through the friendships that you make. And I think it's a fantastic, not only opportunity that I've been given, but privilege to come to St. James College and to be able to represent the, uh, the student bases here tonight. Thank you guys so much.
3: Hello, everyone. My name is Nonda Fikiru and I'm year Twelve. I, I am also a Hogan captain for this year. I am from Congo in the center of Africa. Um, I have come to St. James since year nine, and this is my last year, like Miriam said. <laughs> I enjoy being at St. James because I call this school as my second family. Basically, everything that I do outside school is... Being here. If it's not being here, then it's home. If it's not being home, and then it's here. This is my second family. I also love studying here because at Saint James we get freedom to learn. You just choose anything that you want to study. So if your child is, if your child is very smart, or if your child is very good in sports, you can bring them here. There's good options here, as others said. If you're really good in basketball, this is the best school for you. <laughs> basketball here, it's it's one of the best sports that we have, and here you can get scholarships through basketball, like one of our students did last year. She was a girl, and she got a scholarship in Los Angeles, and that was amazing. I was really proud of her. And yeah did I say everything? <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and I also speak more than three languages, yeah. Oh, and <laughs> sorry. Um, when I finish year twelve, I want to continue studying in a Bachelor of Business International. Hopefully, I can achieve my dreams of traveling everywhere.
6: <laughs> um, hi, my is Ajawin or AJ for short. Um, I'm in year eight. As you can see, I'm a junior. We have a different uniform. Um, what is that? Um, I don't really have any career goals right now. I'll just see what, where school leads me. And... I play basketball. That's one of my co-curricular activities. Um, I speak three languages, which are English, Arabic, and Shulip. Um <laughs> What I love about St. James is that we're super inclusive and super multicultural. doesn't matter who you are that you, you can still do anything you want to. Uh, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm.
7: Hello, my name is... Sorry. My name is Abby,
2: and um, I am in Year 8. I only speak one language, but learning Spanish. Um, I th- The school before I went was Jindalee State School, and... Um, the school really helped me with
7: my confidence and, um, it really made me be myself uh, and everyone's like my family and really a big community. Thank you.
6: My name's, my
1: name's Hugo Reed, and I'm in grade 10 and apparently I'm the only grade 10 here and, um, help me, um. When I finish school I want to do a Bachelor in Aviation Mechanics and what I like about St. James is that it's very inclusive. Everyone's welcome here. I've got friends who are African, Islanders, Aborigines,
6: everyone. And, yeah.
7: Hi, I'm Chloe. Um, I'm in Grade 8. I have previously come from... Pichu Terra State School. Um, When I grow up, I really want to be an actress. Um, St James has helped me with my confidence, especially with debating, and it's also helped me get more active with the sport that it provides. And I love how everyone's included and we're all a family and everyone loves each other and you're free to be yourself.
2: Thank you. Hey, everyone. My name is Dominica Wilberforce, and I'm one of the longhouse captain as well for this year, and I'm in grade 12. Um, I came from Uganda, but my my background is of the And I've been at St. James for four years. I started in grade 9. And I went to, before St. James, I went to my parents' state high school, where I had to learn English because I couldn't speak English. Um, when I grow up, I mean, when I graduate, I want to... St- <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So when I graduate, I want to study um, to become a... A nurse practitioner. Most of you guys will know what that is. Um, something I love about St. James is, as everyone said, it's really inclusive and it's diverse. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. Like what culture you are, what tradition you have, we're all one family, we're all here together as one family, and that's what that's what we are and it's a it's a place of global learning, you know, and that's what we do at school that's what we do at St James, you know you bring your kid here, they all feel they all feel welcome, you know we are all one family, you feel home, you feel welcome, everyone talks to you, and everyone is like willing willing to like willing to welcome you to the school and you just feel love as soon as you come through the gate. Kids just welcome you like, "How are you? Come through. You know what's your name?" You just feel welcome. A lot of kids move from other schools and come to St. James because at their old schools, no one talks to them or they don't feel inclusive to their schools. And when they compare when they compare their schools to St. James, they see so much differences. And they say, "How do we really? How do we really learn how to be inclusive at, um, at St. James College? Because other schools don't really do that." And I say to them. It's not, it's not about your culture or who you are. Whenever you come to, at whatever place that you go to, just know yourself that we're all one and one family, and we're together. Thank you.
8: Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Paul. My last name is Paul. <laughs> yeah, it's so good that you had to say it twice, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I came to um, St. James last year. I'm one of the college captains um, with Merrim as well. Um... I came from schooling in Melbourne um, um, before last year and I was born in um, in South Sudan, which was uh, a war-torn country back in the time and me and my, my mother and my brother, we we fled the country and moved to Egypt and my mom began to teach there for a little while but it was still a dangerous place as um, they didn't really like Sudanese people there, um, they used to call us names and stuff because uh, we had different colour skin but luckily we had the opportunity to, um, to come to Australia as... Um, refugees and um, who were invited here and accepted. And um, when I finished school at uh, St. James, I hoped to do medicine. And after I do medicine, I wanted um, to become a doctor and to go back to my country and hopefully um, start a hospital, as I believe everybody has the right to, to be healthy and to have the freedom to do whatever they want, because everybody has a skill, and that skill needs to be shared um, with the world. Uh, something that um, I enjoy about St. James is that they produce global learning, Um, to the um, wild multicultural that they have here. Um, in like certain events like coaching Night that we have here, um, uh, many students, they perform the traditional dances from their countries. And I really like that because I get to see um, the different unique um, things that come from different people, and I really enjoy that. (laughs) Thank you.
0: I don't think you could hear such an articulate group of young people from any school in Australia, could you? Um, and what a credit to them and to the the teachers here and the staff here in terms of how confident how your confidence has grown. So thank you so much. We can let you sit down at the moment. And now I'm just going to ask all the staff to come forward very quickly and say who they are and what area they work in, please. So you can see the range of people here tonight, which is just a small range but um, gives you a bit of an idea. I said all the staff...
1: Um, Hello ladies and gentlemen and students. Thank you students for that. That was um, certainly beautiful to listen to from all of you. You should be very proud of yourselves. Um, My name is Christina DeLage and I am the assistant principal for um, learning and innovation and pathways, looking at a curriculum and our options in terms of learning for the students in the college. I only just arrived at the college this year as well. So um, I've come from St Columban's at Caboolture, which is the same place our principal has come from. And, yeah, very excited to be here and part of St. James.
0: Hello, all. My name is Jessica Whalen, and in three weeks I will be Mrs. Tershwell. So it's a very exciting term for me. Um, I don't need a clap. Um, My role here is Director of Learning, Innovation and Pathways, so I work with Chris to um, track student outcomes from students um, across all years of the school, so 7 to 12. I've been here for seven years and I absolutely love it, Um, and watching students do what they did tonight makes me very proud to work here, Um, and it's wonderful just to see them grow and develop throughout the years that they're here, so very proud um, employee here at St. James.
9: Thank you, Mrs Trungeball. Oh, sorry, that's from that's from the movie from Matilda, isn't it? David Cantwell's my name and I'm the business manager here at St James and this is my seventh year. Uh, never a dull moment. If you want to talk about accountants and their personalities, trust me, uh, no one with a normal accounting personality could work in a place like this. This is an extraordinary place. Uh, my job is really anything that doesn't involve the educational side and really to keep the back end working. So that's the insurance, it's the payroll, it's the administration, it's the it's all of the above. So uh, a very exciting place to be. As I say, I've been here for seven years. And it's always just an incredible inspiration to hear our students speak. Um, I feel very blessed to being in a place like this.
10: Um, hi, everyone. My name is uh, Izakeli Kupunamedha. Uh, the kids and the staff know me as Mr K. I've been here about 14 years. Uh, I'm the Director of Student Wellbeing, um, so I look uh, over with the uh, Deputy and the four house teams at the pastoral care of the kids at this school. It's a great school to go to. You should send your kids here.
0: <laughs> and hi, I'm Donna Martin. I'm Head of um, Inclusive Education, um, Learning and Teaching enrichment, um, And so my job is to assist with students with um, learning, learning needs but also um, students... Um, where we extend as well. So it's the whole gamut. And welcome.
7: Hi, everyone. My name's Shannon O'Gorman. I'm a personal counsellor here. Um, I think I speak for all the staff here in that most of our details are easily accessible on the website and in your packs tonight. So if I can help any families as they think about these decisions, make their way forward, please do email me. Um, I really welcome inquiries, so that'll be great. Thanks, Shannon. Good evening, everyone. My name's Naomi Ritchie. I'm the uh, principal, principal's assistant. So if you ever would like to come to meet with Anne or talk uh, to the principal about anything, Maria here will direct you through to my office and I'll warmly greet you and um, help you in any way possible that, uh, that you might like to uh, speak with Anne or have an appointment with Anne. I've been in um, Edward Rice Education... Uh, for 23 years and the last 11 years have been here at St James. And like everybody else and the students have already said tonight, this is a truly unique and amazing school. The school I was at prior to was an all-boys school and this school being multicultural, being co-educational, I can't speak highly enough of it. It's so warm, it's so inclusive, it's so inviting and it's so genuinely caring. And we have a fabulous uh, cohort of very professional and dedicated educators and I don't think your children could be in better hands. Thank you.
5: Hello, my name's Maria Young and I'm receptionist and enrolments officer. So you'll probably... Um, a lot of you will probably know me. I've spoken to you. I've been here for 14 years this year. And um, if you can just remember that I'm the older sister. And what I mean by that is my younger sister works here and the kids get a little confused. <laughs> and they think we're twins, but we're not. But if you just remember, I'm the older sister. And I'm always happy to talk to you with any enrolment inquiries that you have. Thank you.
11: They are most definitely not twins. Um, and she's, I've just got the microphone off the nicest person in the world. Um, I'm the Deputy Principal here. I'm Marty Wiseman. I've been, this is my ninth year here, so I uh, have a little bit of experience and um, can honestly say it's a place that uh, definitely gets under your skin. Um it's a place where teachers uh, teach children first and content second. Uh, the most important thing uh, for a teacher to do here is to be in relationships with uh, the students that they teach. And because of that, we're able to uh, produce the uh, wonderful young people that you heard from um, this evening, even though some of them have only been here for a very, very short time. Others have been here for uh, much longer. So uh, the impact of the school on, on kids is profound. Uh, It's why I guess I'm still here. Um, But at the same time, it's a place where, uh, under our new principal, um, whom you've had a little bit of an idea uh, of the cyclone that has arrived at this place, is a complete reimagining of what a school uh, can do and can aspire to. And it's a very, very exciting thing to be a part of. Um, And I thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thank you everyone and um, yes, please give them a big round of applause as they deserve that very much So yes, just taking that up, Marty, do you think the cyclone you you need to take shelter <laughs> um so in terms of yeah, having a blueprint for schools, schools are businesses, schools need to have strong leadership, we need to know where we're going. So these aspects of developing our blueprint for St James are terribly important, having a vision and we do have a strategic vision in terms of getting those pathways for our students. We have a culture and I think you've you've got a really good insight into the culture of the school from what you've heard. But the culture is very student-centred and that means the students' outcomes are number one and in terms of those outcomes, we the staff are very geared to seeing the success of every student in the college. In terms of our leadership, we have a strong leadership team and the leadership is in senior leadership and what we call middle leadership. That's very important because in Catholic education, all of our middle leaders are paid extra um, to what they have in their teaching role. Although, at the moment, you might have heard of highly accomplished and lead teachers, which is a new structure being introduced so that master teachers can, can get paid very highly as well. So, But I say that because... In the Catholic system, and I've taught a long time in in, in the state system previously as well, um, one of the things the Catholic system really puts a lot of dollars into is to paying their middle leaders for pastoral care. In the state system, they have year coordinators, but they don't get paid extra. But in the Catholic system, they do. And that's really significant because it's the Catholic system saying... We really value that part of the school so much that we're going to put money behind the pastoral care of our students. Learning and teaching, obviously our core work, so absolutely crucial. And in terms of that, what kind of culture do we have around that? It's an aspirational culture. It's a high-expectation, high-performance culture but it's one, too, which is an intervention culture. So if students aren't getting to where they need to be, what can we do to fix that up? And as we know, the, the earlier that we have interventions, right from tiny bubs, um, in terms of if something's not quite right, how can we fix that up and address it? How do we get around it? If there's a disability, how do we make that an ability by actually getting around the disability. I always say, you know, I've got glasses on. Without the glasses, I mightn't be able to read. That's my disability. What do I do? I wear glasses. That's how I get around that disability. So there's always a way around things. Um, In terms of students, Our students owning their pathways, and that's one of the things about tonight. You see their confidence. They have to name where they're going and how they're going to get there. And they too have a responsibility. In terms of the college, in terms of its facilities and what we can offer, we have very good range of facilities here, and you'll get to see that in a little tour soon. Our industry links, we have industry partners in a range of areas. Um, We offer a very strong vocational program and each of those areas has a link to industry and we're developing those partnerships, which you'll hear a little bit more about. So who are we? I've mentioned the 151 years, the touchstones, a strong focus on global learning, academic and vocational training outcomes, multicultural, multilingual. Um, Student-centred pastoral care, pathways and a big, strong careers focus. Our intervention culture, which I just spoke about, and the importance of connections with business, parents, community and industry. And a a friend commented to me the other day. He said, you know, if you come to this school, you make friends with the world. We have a, a board, the college has a board, and one of the members of the board is a recruiting officer for Rio Tinto. And when I did a presentation to the board just recently, meeting them for the first time, um, I spoke about this and the importance of being global learners and she said, exactly right. She said, that's my job in Rio Tinto, I hire people. We are looking for people who understand the world. Our company is a multinational company and if we don't have people who can understand the world, she said, anyone can get a degree, we know there's heaps of people now getting degrees. We know that in by 2030, the two countries that will have 60% of all the degrees in the world will be China and India. We live in an incredibly competitive world that is just growing in that aspect. I think something like 80% of PhDs in the world are coming from India. So in terms of the world the experience that you get here is the global experience, as the students so clearly articulated. And that was one of the things that attracted me to apply for a position at this college. I put this slide up about affordable excellence because, you know, we are a fee-paying college. So you might think, well, my choice is to send the students to a state school, a government school, or... A non-government school and we're, as I said, a Catholic school. Well, what is the difference? Well, it is a global learning environment with multiple pathways and we have an all-inclusive fee. So our fees at the moment are around about $7,000. I think it's $6,900. You'll see it in the pack. But uh, that's all-inclusive. That includes your one-to-one laptop. If you do a comparison to the state schools, it, I worked out that it probably costs about $2,000 a year for of that amount that you would pay in a state school anyway. It's just that you don't pay it up front because our fee includes the camps, the excursions, the, the travel costs to go to um, different sporting venues and in the state school you have to pay for that separately. So... In terms of what you're actually getting, that's why I call it affordable excellence because you're getting all those extra things as well. The reflection days, the retreat programs, um, in addition to the government schools. We also have that personal um, approach and our, our, you heard a little bit about the basketball program. Well, today our students in the South East Queensland futsal competition, our seniors got first place of all the schools, and our juniors got second place. They lost by two goals, apparently. They won't be very happy, but um, they're they're very good. So, soccer is also very big in the school. Um, The wellbeing focus, you can see there, we have a vertical house system. You'll hear a bit more about that. Um, In terms of, again, that's all included in in those fees. Um, the camps, the excursions, immersion programs, we have a Brecci van for the homeless. Again, that's all included. We do that through our college and commit those dollars. But we want our students, we want to teach our students about the po- importance of reaching out to others. Indigenous scholarships through Quatsif, so, Indigenous students are very welcome into the school. We have a college bursary fund which we're trying to build up so we can provide more bursaries to people. We also um, have those facilities, particularly our science, technology, engineering, mathematics facilities are very, very strong. Uh, But in all of the, the trade school centre, again, we have top quality areas in terms of getting the best outcomes. So... This particular slide was put out by the government last week. Very important because it's talking about the importance of educating schools for a world yet to be imagined. And, you know, as parents, that's how we have to think. The world yet to be imagined. So what they talk about there is the importance of, number one, transferable skills Number two, um, meeting the needs of students in terms of partnerships. So all of these areas are crucial and I guess in terms of the Gonski report and those outcomes and what's happening in education, it's the partnerships. So for example, I met with um, a person from the Metro North Hospital in the health because that's such a big growth industry recently and they're looking at... 300 school-based traineeships in health, they've actually worked out through those traineeships how you could get to be, if you do the traineeship in a certain area, that from achieving that traineeship, then you could do a study course which they would support in either TAFE or university that will get you to be a physiotherapist or whatever part of medicine that you're interested in. So, incredible opportunities in health, just as one example. All of these booklets are around the importance of preparing for that yet imagined world. Everyone's familiar with Airbnb, Uber Eats, etc. The whole Uber world, it's that freelancing enterprise culture. So, people won't work the way they have worked in the past and we have to prepare our students with the enterprise skills to be able to do that. Some of the reports, the Mitchell report up the top, crunching the numbers, only 25% of all students in universities in Australia have gained an ATAR or an OP. 75% of people at universities have come through other pathways. So what we try and do here is educate strategically so that whatever the student wants to do, they will be well prepared. So, for example a student might go through and do a traineeship in health and it might be as um, allied health. And then they might decide, well, I'd like to be a doctor. So the student who's got the traineeship then goes to university and studies to be a doctor. When they go to do the interviews to get into medicine, because to get into medicine is probably the hardest thing, they've got the experience of having worked in the industry and having... The client exposure—that's the the edge that students here will have because they will be able to have those opportunities, um, and that might be the same in any areas. So we heard one of the students talking about wanting to be an aviation mechanic. He may choose to be an aviation mechanic. That was Gabe, um, but maybe when he gets there, he might think, "I want to be a pilot now." So he can then step into being a pilot. Who's going to get into being a pilot? The person who's just come straight from school and has no industry experience or the one who's been an aviation mechanic? Which one are you going to employ? Speaking of Rio Tinto, one of my past students is now the CEO of Rio Tinto in an area in Australia. And he's mid-30s, but again he did a mechanics traineeship When he graduated from uni, Rio Tinto had to decide who they were going to take. The person who got the absolute top scores or the person who got pretty good scores but also was a mechanic and had done a school-based traineeship. Which one did they take? The one who was the mechanic because he actually had hands-on skills as well. So in terms of the integration of the college, we have many vocational certificates. We have 10 industry areas at the moment, school-based apprenticeships, um, lots of senior subjects and middle school subjects, but again coming back to being innovative and enterprising in our approach. What all of the people across Australia are saying, the importance of foundation skills and employability skills You can have many people who study, get good scores, graduate from university, can't get a job. Why? Because they do not have good employability skills. They don't show initiative. They're not good in teams. They're not good at planning and organising. They don't self-manage well. So you can have the academic skills, but unless you have the other foundation skills and employability skills... That's going to make it very difficult because it's so competitive. Remember that competition that I spoke about. We know, I mean, labour in terms of the labour market, we, we've seen the transformation of in industry around just going shopping. We all now do our own shopping where we have to put it through the scanner, pack our own bags, etc. Think of all the people that were in those jobs. They're gone. So, those people, if they're going to get a job, have to actually upskill themselves to do things at higher levels. So, the complexity of jobs has increased, so we have to be aware of preparing ourselves for that. So, in terms of the labour market, you can see from there that health is very big, professional jobs. In terms of construction is still big, engineering, science-related jobs, but there's a lot of um, jobs that have just disappeared. We know how many factories have closed down because it's all automated. I can remember going into this um, big beer factory in Belgium when I went to do a course in Belgium and it was one of the Belgian beers and I looked around. It was absolutely massive, probably covering this whole campus. I could not see one person. Everything was done on conveyor belts, all done by machines. And so when you can do that, you know, where, where are the people? What Where's the jobs? The jobs is running those places. So you have to have the skills of organisation, technology management to be able to do it. So our links to social, local and global communities, we're very strong on that because in terms of thinking of other it fits our ethos, our inclusivity, our cultural awareness and in terms of that's the biggest problem in Australia. If you're going to go into health, going into law, engineering, mining, guess what the biggest challenges are? That's the biggest challenges are in terms of our Indigenous people and the fact there are so many Indigenous people with high rates of sickness, low ages in terms of their mortality high incarceration rates in prisons. So we've got this huge challenge in our society. So the first question you're going to get asked if you go into medicine is, what do you know about Indigenous health? What exposure have you had to different cultures? You go to St James, you can talk about, well, I know cultures. I went to a school that was multilingual, multicultural, had an Indigenous dance troupe, etc." So... We tried to get involved in all the events that we can in terms of that, and now I'm going to ask uh, Mr. Lays to come and do the next stage in terms of explaining the curriculum, which you're probably very interested in, what happens in year 7 I've got my
1: on in. Um. OK. I don't actually have my glasses on, so please bear with me. Um, But essentially the curriculum across – well, across the whole school, the idea is that students are able, um, once they've had a taste, I guess, of subjects in Year 7 and 8, that they're choosing subjects that they have more interest in and building up into the subjects that they really um, are thinking potentially might be a pathway for them in senior. As um, Ms Revgetts has already said, certainly by the time students are in Year 12 – It's not too late. It doesn't matter if what they've chosen is not the pathway that they want. Whilst that's our ideal, is to make sure that we're giving them all of those opportunities, the main focus that we have on curriculum is making sure that we've got subjects that are on offer, that students will have the best outcomes possible for them to open as many doors for them at the end of that as they can. So once they start to move out of the doors at the end of year 12, the world is open to them, whether it's TAFE straight into the workforce, travelling overseas, taking on internships, um, traineeships or going on to university. There's a whole lot of ways that they can get there to that. So in Year 7 and 8, you can see there it's designed um, in terms of meeting the Australian curriculum requirements and that goes through um, for all of our... Year levels. I'll just quickly go through these so you can have a look there. So the core subjects that all Year Sevens and Eights will study are Religious Education, History, English, uh, Music, Geography, math, Science, French, and PE. So they all will do all of those subjects over the years in Year Seven and Eight. um, But then they will also get a a chance to experience Design and Living Technologies. some visual arts, some hospitality, and some information technology. So, making sure that they've had an experience in each of those areas that they may choose as they head into their um, older grades as well. Once they head into year nine and 10, the subjects, the core subjects, will remain the same. Every student will always do religious education, English, maths, and science. Um, and then they also here will have health and PE and a semester of history in there as well. Um, And then they also choose an elective which they will study for the whole of the semester um, and then swap over in the second semester to get more of a taste of it. So in that they can choose from industrial technology, junior hospitality, outdoor education, art, accounting and law and digital technologies as well. The other thing that we um, have reintroduced is to give the Year 10s an um, an opportunity to undertake work placement once they're in Year 10. So that is... Um, A fairly common practice in a lot of schools, but not all of them. And it's really important, we feel, um, in terms of making sure students are um, getting those life skills and understanding what it means to be able to step out of your comfort zone a little bit and try something. It doesn't mean that they have set themselves up for this is what I have to do when I finish school as we all know and certainly the research shows that the amount of careers that young people are going to have uh, will far exceed anything um, of my generation, the generation before me and perhaps the generation between me um, and school leavers at the moment or maybe there's two generations between me and school leavers but the the career path that we once would have chosen is just a stepping stone to the next career path and so on so making sure that our students have all of those 21st century skills is really important to us so we try and make sure that that's embedded through all of our curriculum but also that it's part of the opportunities in student learning so um, having that work experience in year 10 gives them a chance to go out and see what it's like to be part of the workforce in year 11 and 12 we've got um sorry did i Yeah. Okay, so in year 11 and 12 there's um, three types of subjects I suppose. There's general subjects, there's applied subjects and there's our vet subjects. So our applied subjects there are essential English and maths, religion and ethics, visual arts and practice, hospitality and ICT, so information, communication, technology. So each of those subjects if you've had other um, students go through a school or if you yourself they would have been called SAS subjects um, and or non-OP subjects. That's the, the the new word is now applied subjects for those ones. They still count towards um, an ATAR if that's the pathway that the student is taking, or one of those, sorry, can still count towards that, but I'll explain that a little bit more um, soon for you. Um, As far as the general subjects go, there's quite a list there. You can see we've got all of the mathematics, um, all of the English that's um are considered these are the ATAR subjects so the general ones or what would have once been called OP subjects um, the sciences the chemistry physics biology math C um, is now called um, specialist mathematics mathematical methods is what was once called maths B um, and then through into the history study of religion visual art legal studies so again students have an opportunity they um at, within St. James, within Catholic schools, religion is a compulsory subject, but whether it's a study of religion or a religion and ethics subject that they're taking. The other option, um, which will become clear in a moment, is a cert three, um, a certificate three, which will also give them that experience to religion and world religions as part of that.
0: Um,
1: as Ms. Getz has pointed out, the idea of making sure that we've got global learners and we've got students who are very ready for what it looks like to go on to further study into the workforce and have some real-life experiences means that we're very serious about making sure we've um, got on our scope or offering for students certificate courses that they can undertake. And some of those certificate courses are the certificate ones and some of the certificate threes. Um obviously varying degrees of difficulty within them a certificate threes that we have on offer at the moment of the certificate three in fitness which has become incredibly popular for our, our year 11 students and as of next year there'll be a certificate three in business and a certificate three called compass which is a version of um, a religious studies subject that has uh, more dynamic to it in terms of Um, I suppose, offering students an opportunity to really put into practice the theory that they're learning in that subject. Certificate 2s include our outdoor recreative industries, um, engineering. Um, The students actually this year are very excited. We've signed up with a new provider for the engineering certificate and it's um, a company called Formula Students and Formula Students... Um, over the two years, the students actually build a race car that then gets taken out onto a racetrack and they get to race against other schools. Um, So that's a really exciting... And all the different dimensions in terms of the engineering of that, from the fabrication through to the mechanic side of it and the design as well. Um, And then we have our Certificate 1 and 2 in digital design and business, kitchen operations, furnishing and construction. So a lot of offer, a lot of variety and making sure that we're giving kids a chance to really... Um, be able to get into that workforce with skills that are use, um, useful for them. Did you want to do this? Or... Just another
0: thing yeah. about the cost of that in every other school, you'll be charged extra for all your certificates. But um, the way we do our fees, we include that. That's extremely significant. If that was in the state school, you would be paying for each certificate in addition. And probably some of you have got children that may have done that. It's also a very good option because the minute you leave school, you will pay a lot more for those certificates than doing them whilst at school. There's a lot of research around students in Australia that if you graduate with a certificate, the more qualifications that you have, it's actually a protective factor because obviously you feel good about yourself, you've got skills and confidence. So that's why we try to get our students as qualified as possible um, when they're finishing school.
1: Um, And finally, I'll just sort of talk to you very briefly um, about the ATAR because it is um, a little bit of a mystery out there for some people and and some um, schools are are struggling with their audiences understanding it. It's really simple in terms of ATAR is a pathway into university. It is not the pathway into university. So not all universities require a student to have an ATAR or what was up until the end of this year an OP. Um, As is the case and as Ms has already pointed out, three-quarters of people going to university aren't going there on the back of an OP. They're going there with other pathway entry entry requirements and a Certificate 3, in fact, um, is what's required for a lot of them. So many Queensland universities have confirmed that the Cert 3, um, a diploma or a Cert 4 um, level qualification uh, would be considered requirement enough. There's obviously going to be different courses have different levels of entry requirement and there are some... Um, areas that are going to require um, different subjects, but... As a general rule, you don't have to do an ATAR to go to university. And an ATAR, sorry, it's the Australian Tertiary Admissions Rank. So not all students will or should be aiming for an ATAR. And it's not just our philosophy, but in fact it's the QCAA's philosophy, that the best pathway for a student is to do the courses or the subjects that they like the most and that they will have the most success in. Because if, if they're going with something that they enjoy and that they want to do, then ultimately that's going to lead to higher results for them at the end of the day, rather than struggling through something that they have no interest in. Um, So that just shows you to calculate an ATAR without going into the details of that. You need five general subjects. So they're the ones that I was saying before are what we once would have called OP subjects. Um, However, you can have four of those subjects... And either a certificate three or one of those applied subjects, so visual art in practice, for example, and your four general subjects. Usually, that will require them being um, general maths and general English, and two other subjects. And then, if it's a cert three in fitness or the cert three in business, that would give that would generate the number um, required to get an ATAR as well. Oops. Okay, I think, Mr. Wiseman. I think he literally just stepped outside for a second.
10: I can start it off while we're waiting for him. I actually, while he's coming through, so there are four houses uh, that Mr. Wiseman will come and talk to you about there's uh, Kerry House, Hogan, Long, and Mary Rice. And approximately in each house, there's about a hundred uh, students, so uh, and five. Uh, four deans, five home room teachers. I'll hand it over now to Mr Wiseman.
11: Sorry, sorry, I was just taking someone to the toilet. Um, <laughs> it was just around the corner. So, yeah, we, um, we operate a, uh, a house system, system, as Mr K said, and the well-being section of the school is, I uh, often like to call it the mad, bad, sad and glad part of the school because that's probably, on any given day, the uh, spectrum of emotion that we're probably going to encounter uh, in this... Um, uh, in this aspect of the place. And um, we're very, very proud of the, the people that we have working for us and uh, they're very experienced, as you heard. Mr Kay's been here for uh, over 14 years. Um, myself, uh, nine years. Um, uh, Aaron Johnson has been here for longer than me. Uh, so we have a, a huge amount of experience and a huge amount of um, experience in dealing with uh, kids' Uh, from the variety of backgrounds that you see, so you can guarantee that, we're, that any child that comes here is going to get the absolute best uh, of wellbeing care that, uh, that is going around and that, I hang my hat on that on any day of the week. Um, we are a vertical um, wellbeing system, so what that basically means is a bit like Hogwarts, uh, we have houses. Uh, and ours are Kerry, Hogan, Mary Rice and Long and named after significant people uh, of St James and um, the wider EREA community. And uh, we genuinely believe that um, a community is, uh, can be born and can be created, uh, making the, the big school small. Not that we're a huge school, but uh, the houses certainly make... Uh, the the intimacy of uh, the relationships with people uh, that much more genuine and that much more strong um, because the way that we structure um, our pastoral care systems is um, designed to ensure that you have one person to go to uh, for all of your needs. So the homeroom teacher, which sees... Uh, the student every morning uh, of uh, every school day uh, should be and theoretically is the same person that they will have from the day that they start in grade seven to the day that they leave uh, in grade 12. And uh, because of the longevity of many of the staff uh, in each of the houses, we have had uh, people who've been in that homeroom teacher role uh, for over 20 years. So, uh, we certainly hang our hats on the fact that our staff know your kids, and uh, that's probably as as rock solid a guarantee as I can give you that uh, we will be uh, making sure that your child is looked after uh, in this place. Not only that, um, but as you can see, our uh, we have house leaders and our Year Twelves adopt a, a leadership role. In that homeroom. So you can imagine that they have been in there, large numbers of them have been in uh, the homeroom since grade seven. And so after six years or after five years, uh, they, and you heard the students say, they feel like they're home. And uh, their homeroom is almost like uh, that old. Uh, bar show called Cheers, where everyone knows your name. It's a place where everyone knows your name. So, um, We like to foster that particular relationship f- for our Year 12s and the ownership that our Year 12s have over uh, the homeroom uh, is certainly one of the most profound things that we have. So our team looks like this. Um, so myself... Uh, get to lead this group of people, which is uh, which is a great privilege. Uh, next to me um, and next to my office, which you'll see on the tour, uh, is uh, Yolanda, who's the other sister uh, to Maria. Uh, and uh, she uh, looks after that particular part. So any uh, issue that kids have uh, throughout the school day, whether they're coming or they're going, whether they need a Band-Aid or whether they need to go to hospital or uh, whether they're hungry or whether they're thirsty or whether they need to find a room or for whatever reason um, that a child is not or out of kilter for uh, any reason at all, uh, Yolanda is the, uh, the port of call there uh, and helps out um, as much as she can. We created a new position this year uh, and uh, Mr Kay is in that as Director of uh, Student Wellbeing uh, and there's certainly not a person who is, has more expertise uh, in St James and in the wellbeing area uh, than Mr Kay in order to do that job. And together we, uh, we look after the house deans uh, and our college Counselor, um, who I'll talk about uh, in a minute and what she does and the profound effect she has on uh, kids and families. And as I said, the homeroom teachers sort of uh, feed into that uh, that structure there to make sure that it's a rock-solid um, web of uh, care for uh, your kids. We do have sport, and the kids talked a lot about uh, sport, and um, on Wednesdays we, we do run an inter-school uh, sporting competition uh, with a number of uh, schools uh, in the South District's area, which include... Uh, Schools like Balmoral and uh, other Christian schools and uh, a wide variety of uh, different competitions. And they are loosely divided into the two seasons that you see there. So at the moment, we're in the summer season. um, And you heard Ms. Webb gets to talk about our futsal uh, carnival, which was on today, which uh, we did pretty well in uh, with the three teams that we sent. But including futsal, we have volleyball, basketball and touch football. And then moving into our winter season, uh, we have netball football, which is uh, soccer and uh, rugby league. And also, which is not on there, AusTag, um which is a version of touch football, um, which uh, we include there and in which we play other schools. In addition to that, uh, we have a vast array of uh, co-curricular uh, teams and pursuits, uh, which uh, can be... Um, which occur outside the Wednesday sport uh, sort of system, so basketball, which you heard where we were, we're uh, two times uh, national or oh, sorry state champions and have been um, off to the national championships uh, for the last four years in a row, uh, and our Confraternity uh, rugby league side, which uh, you see right there, who were awarded last year at the Confraternity, which is uh, the spirit of the Confraternity uh, Award, um, which is an award given for sportsmanship. Uh, conduct uh, and the spirit with which the game is to be played and we won that uh, award out of 48 uh, different schools and different teams last year so we're very proud about that. Um, Football we uh, incorporate into various tournaments and at Easter we'll be playing uh, in the EREA tournament which is uh, an Australian wide uh, football tournament which will occur uh, out at Nudgee College this year. Futsal we've talked about. Our girls girls AFL side uh, plays every Wednesday uh, during summer. Uh, Netball we play in the CASA Cup, uh, which occurs on Wednesday afternoons, uh, as well as in the uh, Quizzin confraternity um, uh, netball competition, which runs alongside the Rugby League uh, tournament in um, June-July holidays. Uh, We're looking at Sevens Rugby starting that this year. Uh, And also volleyball, as I said. But in addition to that, we have a myriad of cultural uh, and uh, other activities, including debating, um, singing, choirs, uh, our singing ensembles, our musical ensembles, uh, cultural dance groups and our uh, cultural night, uh, which occurs uh, in May, uh, is something you should all put down in your calendars uh, to come along. It is an absolutely spectacular evening as I said before, uh, you met Shannon. She uh, works uh, with us uh, in our per- as our personal counsellor, and uh, her the array of work that uh, she does uh, with students and families uh, is incomparable. Uh, Not only does she uh, work in the personal counselling area where she talks to kids about things that are going wrong in their lives and uh, and giving them strategies on how to deal uh, with those sorts of things. Uh, She liaises with uh, a wide variety of health professionals including psychiatrists, uh, psychologists, um, social workers, etc., Uh, She is a family therapist uh, by trade, so she offers uh, uh, family therapy support, which operates um, outside of school hours, so in the mornings and in the afternoons, uh, on your uh, choice if things are not going right uh, in your family at home. Uh, We have a group therapy approach to anger management. So a lot of our students who have difficulty, like a lot of teenage boys in particular, but certainly some girls uh, who have some issues in dealing with uh, processing anger issues, Uh, we have a um, a research-based and evidence-driven program there uh, that uh, works very well. Uh, Group therapy approaches to other things, Uh, our restorative justice Uh, process, which is the cornerstone of our behaviour management system, Uh, runs when things go wrong uh, between students, and Shannon runs uh, RJ meetings with them, and uh, her practice is deeply set in uh, trauma-informed evidence and practice, so uh, a lot of our students come from situations which aren't ideal, uh, which... uh, We certainly wouldn't wish on anybody and um, in order to be able to help kids deal with uh, the trauma that they've experienced in the past uh, requires us to teach and requires us to counsel in a certain way uh, that's going to be constructive uh, not destructive, so without sort of going into too many details it 's stuff that 's uh, uh, a new wave of uh, of dealing with things and, and a prism through which we look and look after our kids uh, so we 're certainly at the cutting edge uh, of that and finally there um, one of the phenomena that 's uh, becoming more and more prevalent uh, in society and and certainly. The growth in homeschooling uh, is a, is an example of this where uh, sh- students are finding it more and more difficult to come to school and to uh, participate in the schooling, mainstream schooling system. Uh, and we have a... Um, and sh- Shannon has adopted uh, some her own research and her own practices um, and working with the pastoral team. Um, we've developed a, a process by which um, students may... Um, uh, wear themselves back into uh, coming into uh, uh, a mainstream school setting. So uh, it's a pretty comprehensive service and and certainly something that we're we're very lucky to have uh, her there and um, certainly very lucky to have uh, the wellbeing team that she works with in order to make all of this stuff come to uh, fruition. But I will actually hand back to Mr Kay, or are you going to take this one? You see? Thank you. Um, thanks, Marty.
0: Just the taster days, um, Mr. Kay is running this. We're starting up some taster days just to foster that partnership between primary schools and secondary schools, so with a middle school philosophy. So, where students could come and experience three sessions at secondary school in a morning, three different set classes. And we're going to start that on March the 29th. And we'll be negotiating that with different schools. But those students who actually do enrol at the college will invite you to come to a taster day as well. So we'll have a day which is there for all of the students from different schools to come. So we'll be doing that. We also have um, transition if you do apply to come to the school for those who are coming into Year 7 next year we have a full orientation day on November the 29th, but in Term 3 and 4, depending on the needs of the student, we have gradual transition. So there'd be communication with the schools and the teachers from which your son and daughter are coming from so that we can make it a very smooth transition. I was actually part of a, a study I did with a, a partner at primary school when I was in Kabulcha. And we did a really intensive study. We employed a consultant and we talked to people in the primary and in the secondary, parents, students, teachers, and we found that the most the anxiety came more from the parents than it did from the students. So it was very interesting because people perceived that the kids were really worried, but actually the parents more, were more worried than the kids were. So it was just interesting. Another thing that came out of our study was the gap that from, say, year six to seven or year seven to eight, those gaps were fine. The harder gap went from year eight to year nine. And that's where students started to notice a difference in terms of conceptualisation and the complexity of what they were doing. Um, open day on May the 17th, we're going to combine that with the cultural night. So that's a day from 10am onwards that you can come to the college, but you might want to stay, come later in the afternoon, have a look at the cultural night. As um, Mr Wiseman said, it's really worth seeing. I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't stopped hearing about it, so I'm really looking forward uh, we have a lot of sporting carnivals as well, and we may even have some which are for primary students, particularly because our students do the VET certificates in Certificate 2 in Coaching and Certificate 3 in Fitness, and part of their competency requirements is actually to work with younger students, which is really great. So now um, I just want to open it up for a couple of quick questions, and... Um, if any of the young people, we have a lot of lollipops here, which you're not supposed to eat, I know, but um, we are giving these away if you did have a question. Would you like a lollipop?
3: Uh, thank you for the offer. However, I'll pass on the lollipop. My question is, there's reference here to small class sizes. Can you talk a little bit about that, please, particularly um, in the younger grades for the... Year seven kids. At the
0: moment we have pretty small class sizes because of um, trying to give lots of support to our students. So in the younger grades at the moment, in year seven, there's only about 17 to 20 in a class. So we would be trying to keep that in those earlier grades. Um, But, and so, yeah, in terms of that context, that's what they are now and they're about 20, I think, in year eight, in in the classes about twenty. In year nine, so maybe a bit, bit more twenty five. Maybe a bit as you get in. It depends on the subjects because once we get into senior schooling, there's some really small classes. Where's Mr. Lay's? Where how many in your legal studies? Uh, it's 11 and 12, like 12, 12. Twelve. I mean, we we run that range of subjects. We run more subjects here. Peter Chapman, who's the regional director of Edmund Rice Education Australia, he was the principal at Gregory Terrace. Some of you might know Peter. He said to me, Anne, he said, you know St James offers many more subjects than Gregory Terrace. Wow. So we are offering... We, we really are offering an incredible range of subjects for the size of the school. So, But we do have more students in Year 11 and 12 and are able to do that. Uh, we have 50 international students at the college from China and a lot of Korea, and that actually adds to our, uh, what we can offer and also they're pretty aspirational as well in terms of, well, if you're going to come out from China and study in Australia, you want to be here and then you often are wanting to go into, particularly in the sciences and mathematics. So, yes, other questions? Two quick questions. Um,
1: how many students go to the school?
0: Um, at the moment, there's about 420 students.
1: And, um, do you guys have a good debate team?
0: We sure do. We have a top debate team. They beat All Hallows last week. And I think you deserve at least two lollipops. <laughs> Thank you. Um debating's a bit of a passion of mine. I think I've been a debating coach and adjudicator for something like 25 years. So I strongly believe in debating. Very important skill.
1: When do you do science competitions?
0: When do we do science competitions? I think we do science competitions all through because science itself, you can sit for those the the testing competitions, but there's also competitions that are fun competitions that you can enter as well. So we're always on the lookout for whatever's going on. And the World Science Festival's coming up too, so we would be encouraging students to, to take part. Plus science is so integrated. Like we talked about the engineering the car, that the students will make the engine and then race that car out at Narangba. And that that's science, isn't it? to be able to build a car the engine of a car. Hands-on science. Yes, hands-on science. That's physics. Yeah. Mm. Any other questions? Is
3: there enough places here like given the popularity of the school, are many kids turned away or unable to be offered a position a spot in the school?
0: every every person is considered in terms of the application and i can speak honestly that i haven't turned anyone away but it's about the suitability of the school for the child if if sometimes you know when you sit down and discuss it you might think yes it is the best place for my child or you might think no they may be better in a different setting so it's about You've got a pretty good idea of what we're offering. And um, I think, really, the big thing that I've noticed in being here is that what you heard from the students, that difference is the norm and the inclusivity. Like, we didn't brief the kids to say, talk inclusivity. I thought that was quite amazing to hear six of them mention that word. Now, in other schools, you won't hear them mention that word, inclusivity. It's a pretty hard word to say anyway. But um, just to hear that, and because people are all different, it is the norm. So it suits people and then it is very aspirational because you've got students who, as they said, have come from war-torn countries. They want that liberation. They want that education. They've had to come and start their lives here, you know, living in poverty, really, because... They didn't have any money coming to Australia. They're living on Centrelink and it's hard to get jobs when English is your second language. Even if you had a job in your country before, it's much more difficult. So they've experienced that. So you've got students here who are hungry for education and that rubs off. You know, all the research around students uh, who maybe take a bit longer to get to their goals, you know, in terms of finding learning challenging the big thing is about being able to bubble up. And if you've got no-one to bubble up to, how can you bubble up? So, you know, that's why the basketball team, who 10 of the 12 students in the basketball team are from African backgrounds, they compete against schools that invest hundreds of thousands in their basketball program. Like all of the top fee-paying schools in Brisbane who do that, and yet they beat them. Why? Because they are nurtured to develop self-belief. And they practice a lot and they're hungry for it. So that culture of high performance, I believe, goes across every aspect of learning in a school. And when I went to Kabulcha, it was a low performance, low expectation in terms of the mindset of our students. And we were able to change that to the high performance culture so, when I left that school, it, it you know the outcomes in terms of what students were achieving had they'd actually there were a third of the students only did an OP but two thirds of the students were going to university straight out of school because they were doing certificate three other pathways that got them into university, but at the same time they had more qualifications than their neighbors you know, in in any other schools. So that's the kind of thinking that is a much more strategic thinking around educational pathways.
1: I have two questions, if that's okay. Um, Quick one first. Uh, Girls are allowed to wear shorts.
0: No, they can wear long pants. That's part of the... They have a... But uh, oh, shorts. sorry, are they allowed to are wear shorts? Are girls allowed
7: to wear shorts as part of school um, uniform?
0: They wear shorts in their sports uniform. Um, in terms of their day uniform, I'd have to check that being new, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously they can wear long pants. That's not a problem. Mm.
1: Okay. Um, my other question what do you offer in the way of music education?
0: Um, well, we have music and we're growing that program, so I'm very keen to grow that program. When I started at Columbus, there were three ensembles. When I left, there were 17. So, it you know, it's about how you grow the program and that's what we will be looking to do. And already we've got incredible musicians in the college. Um, where's Shannon? Uh, at our International Women's Day Choir. It was incredible to hear the way this group of um, Year 7 and 8, nine, and students sang and sang. Uh, Shannon, amongst her other talents, is a music therapist. So we have music in Year 7 and we have music teacher and we've got other people in the college who who are very much developing our music program.
11: And um, uh, Brunswick Street Station is uh, literally 10 minutes that way. Uh, Then we have uh, at King George Square, the major bus uh, sort of hub uh, so we're very well serviced by public transport, uh, so there's no real need for us to put on uh, buses in that regard.
0: And actually, that's a really healthy thing. The basketball coach, Kieran, who's just outstanding, who's also a psychologist, um, he said to me what he sees developing in students is because they catch the trains and use public transport. They're much more independent. They're doing this of their own accords, you know, they don't need to be dropped off and they learn to do all that and can manage that because of our central location. We do have some school buses, though, that when we have excursions and things and take them to sport, we have how many, two buses, three buses? Yeah, two,
11: 22 seats, uh, Yeah.
0: And when we did the swimming carnival, we can walk to the pool here. You know, we're very lucky with the facilities around us. David, there is transport subsidy depending on...
9: The um, state government um, provides uh, subsidised travel cards depending on whether you use bus or train. Uh, There are some criteria for that and it would be uh, it's means-tested. Um, but quite a number of our students utilise that and uh, we assist the children with uh, filling in the application, which is pretty straightforward.
0: So I think now um, we are going to break up into groups and Marty's going to organise that. To He's much more fam- familiar with everything than I am. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming. Um, it is a great college and um, we'd love to see you there. We'll be following up with interviews... We do have concessions available for those people um, who would qualify for that and David can talk to you more about that too if you wanted to ask him. Um, And yes, we'd love to see you. The open day should be terrific, so if you want to come back, um, but do get, if you're thinking of applying, um, get your applications in as soon as possible because we don't know how many we'll get and obviously we do have pretty good capacity but... We wouldn't like to see you miss out.